Uh, hi, I'm Sam Mage, and we're running in hot because we're recording this at the very last second and Blue isn't available. Uh, joining me today is... This is Techno Obliterator and Aston Villa are fifth in the league now. Just wanted to give you that very important update. Oh, well, good for them. Uh, and this very is good the... for them. This is the Final Fantasy Wiki podcast, the only uh, podcast of uh, FinalFantasy.Fandom.com. And because we are winging this, we pretty much just have the news to cover and maybe some other, some small wiki updates. Uh, Some very big wiki updates, we should say. Very, very important and going to be very impactful in the future. But, um, yes, it is well, mostly just news and that. They are certainly, at this point, big S in large and immense, yes. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's uh, see. I've got a list of stuff that happened this month. First on the list, Pixel Remasters on the Switch and uh, PS4. Yeah. Uh, finally yeah, happened. Uh, came out on the 19th. Uh, they've got a couple more changes. Uh, they have a... They have a new font, which, uh, as I discovered after downloading, is actually optional. They start with they start up for the first time with the terrible font, and you got to go into the settings and turn the new font on. Oh, I didn't know that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they've also funny. they've also added, you know, like the standard uh, the standard uh, cheat grind stuff that a lot of the Final Fantasy remakes do, where you can like turn off the encounter rate and uh, boost uh, uh, experience and guild drops. Um, yeah. It's basically, they don't want to rebalance the whole game by making an easy mode, so they just put in the cheat options instead. For those who do not care one bit about the gameplay, they only care about the story. I, which... Well, part of that is uh, that they already got uh, burned by uh, this because when they were starting putting them out, uh, they had actually increased the experience rates, which um, which uh, oh. was which kind of bit them because uh, Final Fantasy IV, you actually started leveling too fast, and it was uh, and this uh, like just made most of the game a joke. I think they Whoa. undid that. That makes sense for four, but Final Fantasy VI, my favorite one. That game is a joke as it is, gameplay-wise. That game is so easy. I cannot imagine them possibly making it easier. But what, if what? for some reason that very easy game is still not easy enough for you, you can now use the cheat options to make it even more of a joke. Well, they are easy games. None of these are particularly hard. It's it's Final Fantasy. Like the the hardest, yeah. the hardest Final Fantasy has ever been in the main series, barring optional content, is thirteen, and that's still not very yeah. hard. Uh, but yeah, but there like... is still a curve to it, and if you disrupt that curve, it uh, it just becomes less interesting. That's what I mean. Like Final Fantasy Five. If you don't understand the mechanics of it that well, that game can be extremely difficult. But as soon as you understand it, then it's the easiest thing in the world to ever play. So I think I personally would say um, if you're considering playing Final Fantasy V and using the cheats, I would highly recommend against that 
because 90% of the fun with that game is the mechanics. Like, the story is, okay, the story is, you know, it's better than I remembered it when I went and replayed it for the Pixel Remaster, but it's still not, like, that's not why people are playing that game, you know? That, that story has no character development, it has no character arcs, it has, there's, like, the lore is more interesting than I remembered, but it's still not that interesting. Like, you know, you're only playing that game because the job system is addictive as fuck. That is the reason you are playing that game. Yeah, I, I, I definitely don't think you need to experience grind in five. Uh, I haven't checked nope. that game. If it, if it has an option to increase ABP gain, uh, I might actually recommend going with that because some of the ABP requirements are a bit, uh, are a bit over the top. Oh um, yeah, oh yeah, especially Red Mage. Yeah, it, especially like, Red Mage, it, like. Requirements for Red Mage are so stupid. And it's for an ability that's good, but not like nearly as good as it's advertised. Yeah, dual, dual cast, you know, is excellent and can be used to break some things, but A, it is not the most broken thing ever. There are plenty of jobs yep. that break the game just by existing, and B, yep. it, it's not worth uh, 1,000 ABP on top of everything else in the class. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, um, yeah. But uh, it is still pretty sweet to pair dual cast with summon and summon <laughs> twice and basically kill anything. That right. is pretty fucking sweet. Uh, yeah, so anyway, there's not really much extra to talk about with these, and uh, they're the Pixel Remasters on, on console. They appear to run pretty much the same, it's just these couple extra features. Yeah, but with the font now fixed, there's basically, like, you know, aside from minor nitpicks, there's no reason to, like, not get this, as if you've never played these before, you've never played these games before, this is your way to go. This is how you go back and play them. So, you know, you're a new fan after picking up 16 or 7 Remake, go play these versions. There's no reason not to. Yeah. Um, okay. So next on next we have on the list is uh, right. Uh, so Final Fantasy Eleven. Um, I forget if we covered this uh, last month, but there's been a change in producer. Like when? Um, like when did this actually yeah. happen? Um, yeah. I, uh, this happened on the fifth of April or April fifth. Okay, um, so we didn't cover it yet then. Um, well, presumably we didn't cover it unless we were seeing into the future somehow, which I don't think any of us can do. Well, like, right, we're that's, pretty... that's when this, that's when, like, this int interview we're looking at is dated and just trying to figure out if, uh, you know, if we actually need to, like, cover the base of what happened because it's just a small extra thing on top of that. Um, so the new producer was saying how he wants the MMORPG to eventually be its own standalone game, which means you'd be able to play Final Fantasy XI without having to play an MMORPG, which, um, okay. I mean, makes sense, I guess, if it's a numbered game, they don't want it to be like, oh, a numbered Final Fantasy that you cannot play. Well, that that is, uh, 
what they are doing with uh, 14 at the moment. They're trying to make it so that you can get through the entire main story except for the big boss fights solo. And even mm. then, and even then, like a few of the big ones, like uh, like all of the uh, four man four man mm. trials that were in a realm reborn, and also uh, one of the trials near the end of Endwalker are also capable of being played solo with the with the AI companions. And mm. like, yeah, that that does work fine. It and it slows those dungeons down a bit, but at the same time, they're their dungeons they're kind of brain dead and everything mm. and everything aside from like the dungeons and trials in the main story have always been solo so um but yeah uh, 11 on the other hand is a game that was uh, much more party oriented and uh, and that is something that they have been working on for for a while really like i don't like I am not a big historian of eleven, so uh, like I can't uh, tell you when they introduced the trust system, which was like you being able to summon a- summon NPCs as party members, and and also like all I know about Final Fantasy eleven is you can level down in that game. That can t- that I game be- can take away a level from you. If I you believe die they it. removed that. Like okay. Can, well, there was like one point. Use, like you can you lose ex- like you can still lose experience, but can't fall below the threshold for a level. Yeah, that's right. There was one point in the game that you could actually be leveled down yeah. if you sucked it too much. Yeah. It's a brutal ass game. Yeah, like it's like it's just that you know because this was made in the EverQuest era of MMOs. If uh, if you if you died, you lost experience, and if you uh, fell below the maximum experience for a level, well, you're no longer at that level. Um, yeah, it's very different with 14 that was made in the post-World of Warcraft age Yeah. versus Final Fantasy XI that's an ancient MMORPG in terms of game design. That's, like, ancient these days. Like... Um... Like, just in the genre, uh, genre convention, it's ancient in general like oh god when when was everquest um well it must have been like the 90s or something stupid like that ever uh, everquest was uh 1999 and uh oh so it was still you know so they were still using dial-up internet to connect to that that they must have pissed people they off. were still using dial-up in world of warcraft that must have pissed people off so much like like hey son um, I need to take a call right now. No, sorry, I've still got like five dungeons I want to play. That like, must have pissed people off. Like, have you have you ever seen how, how slow free World of Warcraft MMOs were? And World of Warcraft was among these at start because you know it was also designed for dial-up. But these, but like these were have these were and Final Fantasy Eleven still is a heavily menu-driven game. Because oh man, I can't imagine it these days, man. Yeah, because like, yeah, because like, hell, fourteen. Uh, the original version of fourteen was still kind of heavily menu driven. Because like, I, I, and you've uh, you've played uh, 
you've played Modern 14 at some point, so you yeah. know roughly how it works. Uh, yeah, in uh, in 14's uh, 1.0 version, uh, you had if you you had to like hit left and right on the hotbar to select something. <laughs> Jeez, Be- because 14 what uh, 14 1.0 was still fairly slow. Um, uh, yeah, but, I can't imagine that one. But yeah, um, a lot of uh, World of Warcraft's uh, you know, old jankiness, which to their credit, they have pretty much gotten rid of all of it, was due to the fact that because uh, because it was designed for dial-up, you know, you had to you had to give several seconds to make sure you know everything was uh, running correctly, and and uh, yeah, because eleven is is ancient, very ancient. Still developed on PlayStation 2 dev kits ancient. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's no opportunity to get rid of that jank. And at the same time, they're also uh, hitting the uh, hitting the edge of uh, what they can do with us. I know we talked about this last month, and like they basically can't add new enemies to the game anymore. It just doesn't... Uh, they just can't do it. Uh, Eleven is definitely hitting the end of its life unless they completely remade it, which uh, probably isn't happening. Yeah, I was going to say that's a shit ton of money that I doubt they want to spend. Yeah, I I do I do assume that they will want to eventually convert it to uh, to offline because because I, I mean. This is one of Square's big ones, so it seems like they don't want it to completely disappear. And also, like you know, they're under uh, Creative Business Unit Three, which seems to have this philosophy, judging by what Fourteen's doing. And also, like they've made an offline version of Dragon Quest Ten, despite the fact that that game's still going. <laughs> oh, I didn't know about that. That's interesting. Yeah. So uh... the offline version is also Japan only. <laughs> Of course. Um, so, like, so I guess the point of it is just that, you know, there's still a sector of the fan base that still wants to play this game and not have the MMO elements, but I guess it's like it must be the stories popular enough for them to want that. Uh, I, there must be some appeal to it, otherwise uh, they wouldn't have uh, made the voracious resurgence. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I would like that to happen. I actually have like a a a copy of uh, Final Fantasy XI registered to my Steam account that I've never used. I uh, don't have like I the the only thing I know about Eleven is when it's appeared in the Dissidia games. Hmm. I know nothing else about it. I know that Shantoso rhymes a lot. I couldn't tell you anything else. Yeah. Uh, okay, anyway, uh, moving on, what we have next. Uh, right, Stranger Paradise came out on Steam. Uh, I'm pretty Woo! sure it, do- it does run better than it used to uh, when it was on uh, Epic Games Store, but uh, still, I'm pretty sure this is like such, this is still such like a PlayStation 4 optimized game 
did you probably prefer to run it on PlayStation 4 over PlayStation 5? <laughs> so, like, why is, um... Why was this one exclusive to Epic Games Store? Because I, I guess don't Seth know. Warner. Okay. Like, that, I so mean... Is it some kind of deal they did with them, or, like... Like, it must be some kind of deal, and it's not even, like, an Unreal Engine deal thing, because, like, they also did the exclusivity right. for, uh, for Neo The World Ends With You, which is Unity. Right, that's why it's so, like, weird, but... But either way, you know, you can play it on Steam now. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is still a fun game. I need to get back to going through the DLC, which is easily cheesable, but not uh, but still kind of uh, a lot to get through, because it, it is a grind. <laughs> like, well... Well, I mean, like... Like, the DLC a, literally like, starts with a grind. That's not uh, that's not an exaggeration. You have to start by grinding grinding currency for the first DLC to unlock cutscenes, oh, more cutscenes with Bahamut, before you get to the end of the day and you get to fight him. And you have to complete oh, the DLCs in order. You have to beat Bahamut to unlock the Gilgamesh DLC. You have to beat Gilgamesh to unlock the... Uh, Omega and Mateus DLC. All I know is there is a way to grind in this game by casting the tornado spell and kicking Marlboros off this like ledge or something that like instant kills them and just yeah. spamming that over and over and over. Yeah. And that is still my favorite fact about this game yeah. by far. Like that, that just looks like so much fun to just fuck <laughs> around with them like that. Yeah, that is still my favorite fact about this game. Punting enemies off cliffs is fun, yes. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, right, so uh, next... Um, okay, well, that, that's like the biggest piece of news. Let's leave it until we kind of like, take care of all the other stuff, so move on. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fi- Final Fantasy XII, uh, Matsuno has... Uh, uh, Matsuno has just outright said that the uh, whole belief that Bash was the original protagonist uh, is false. Yep. I mean, it makes sense, and it doesn't make sense at the same time, because the main protagonist should have been Ash, since it's pretty much Ash's story. But, like, you know, Vaughn was always there as the audience surrogate character. That was always his point. So from that perspective, it makes sense. But I, I feel like they just did a horrible job integrating Vaughn into the main story. Hmm. I understand why this rumor existed, and it's because Vaughn feels like a last-minute addition. Right. Like, it, it, it Bash, and Ash, like Bash and Ash do feel like the central character for most of the game. Like, yep. it, is, it is, generally speaking, an ensemble minus Pinello. Uh, uh, oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, the but also just when you think about it, the 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 lead character being like the like you know, the the pe- the you know the peasant boy uh, does mm-hmm. tend to fit a lot more with Matsuno's general writing, like like uh, you know uh, uh Ramza might technically be nobility, but he definitely doesn't identify with it. And like at the at the start of uh, Tactics Ogre, which 
is about as far as I've played because I have too much shit to play. Uh, like your uh, like your uh, characters at the start of that are just like you know a bunch of uh, people at one town who are basically hiding in fear of fear of soldiers being assholes in the region. Like it's twelve is one of my favorites in the series. I still love almost everything about it. But the story is where it clearly becomes so evident that that game had a ton of development issues. That game went through development hell. And like if you just look through like the history of it, like you can completely understand why the story just feels so disjointed. So I feel like Vaughn not feeling integrated in the story is entirely because of they just like they just mucked around with the story and had like just they weren't there wasn't a clear direction on it, basically, right? Still yeah. a beautiful game. Still one of the best they've ever made. But like the development issues are really evident with this one. Like this is the first that was the first one in the series where it really became obvious that they had like the 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 like it became really obvious to them that whatever was going on in the studio with uh whether it's because of the enix merger or not like i don't want to blame engines for that one because like you know engines can be to blame for a bunch of stuff that happened in this case i don't think it was that no in this case it was just you know they had a ton of development issues with this game and that's why the story is a disjointed mess like it could have been better than it was and it's still pretty fucking amazing Gotta say, one of the most impressive things that Square Enix has ever done is managed to hit an HD development bottleneck on the PlayStation Two. <laughs> um, speaking of other impressive things, uh, the, uh, uh, the Square Enix have done. Um, so, have you heard of uh, the Portopia serial murder case? I'm afraid I have not. So this uh, this is uh, a game from. Uh, from the 80s it's 40 years old uh, now and uh, it's uh, one of uh, Yuji Horii's older games it's a uh, you know, it's a visual novel uh, to, 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 well visual novel slash adventure game you know, that kind of thing uh, you know the, you know just general crime, crime drama stuff but you know the fact that it is in 1983 it did a lot of things that were incredibly groundbreaking uh, in the Japanese scene, of, at least, it never got translated, and part of that is because, like, I mean, it's a Famicom game with a text parser. Can you imagine how hell that would be to try to bring it into English? Um, it's a Famicom game with a text parser. Yeah, you know, the, the Famicom wow. game, uh, the Famicom was a uh, was uh, was also a general computer in addition to being a NES. Like, like the the Famicom right. was capable of reading discs. Like, like sometimes you see it's shortened to FDS, Famicom Disk System. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Like if you uh, see some uh, some comparisons to uh, between like Japanese and uh, and uh, American versions of NES games, uh, you know, sometimes there'll be um. One of the big things will often be like uh, audio and storage related changes, because you know the because uh, 
like the audio, first of all, uh, the uh, NES had a couple of uh, input uh, input uh, spots missing on its cartridge thing, so it couldn't uh, so it couldn't use uh, some of the sound chips that the uh, Famicom cartridges could use. And second of all, there had to be alternate storage formats uh, for some games because you know you can't save games to a disc, but you can to a cartridge. So that's where, right. so that's why you know a lot of Famicom games, uh, NES games have password systems because, well, you had to use that if you were using a disc. Oh. Um, Learn something new every day on this podcast. So, so anyway, Square uh, Square Enix. Uh, I forget when uh, people first heard about this, but they were remaking Portopia, uh, and. Uh, this month, uh, they released it for free because they wanted to use it as a tech demo to demonstrate how uh, how improved the uh, how improved the uh, AI behind text parsers have worked in the past forty years. Oh, that's what that shit was. Yeah, yeah oh, I so know some really some people were just giving it strange looks because they use the term AI. If if you use AI exclusively to refer to the stupid art movements and stuff, no, no, that's not what that's not what artificial intelligence actually is. It's just it's just the instance of uh, getting the computer to do something by itself. And yeah, yeah. a text parser it's... is an instance of AI because it has to it has to interpret what you've typed in and try to map it to something it does know. But so, we should also be, uh, we should also clarify because um, the term AI, when it when it comes to game development, it is used to mean something a little different. Which is like you you talk about AI in terms of like oh the enemy AI, as in like the enemies are like programmed a certain way. As in, and that's and that's used to refer to they have quote unquote artificial intelligence in that they know oh I'm seeing Tidus on screen I'm gonna whack him like you know that's what that means but that, that's not artificial intelligence in the terms that that we're talking about here like in terms of you know to to use your phrase computers knowing like being able to do something on its own you know that's that's a whole other field of like machine learning of like you know just a a bunch of things going on like you know around this new like groundbreaking technology which everyone's like simultaneously extremely excited about and extremely terrified of right and And like at the same time like yeah enemy scripting is still a rudimentary form of ai it is within the field like you wouldn't call like those chess bots not ai oh yeah yeah Yeah, cool they um there was recently a thing where they taught a bunch of robots like real robots not like just computer generated they taught a bunch of real robots how to play football and you can see like uh i'm talking about real football not american football um they taught them how to play it with an actual field like and and you just look at it and they figured out tactics on their own and they did that not they weren't programmed any of these tactics they actually like 
figured it out themselves and you look at it and it looks like a bunch of little toddlers playing football like and it's so it's it's like stuff like that is like incredible what what ai can come up with you know so ai in the field of video games is no joke like they've had ai being able to play like uh league i think it was league of legends where they beat all the like pro teams at it like you know these professionals who do nothing but play the video game their whole lives like they the ai was able to beat them and they like i th- i think it was league i don't remember but but yeah like that's it yeah that's that's a whole other thing mm-hmm. yeah so anyway they put out this uh this uh this tech demo uh and uh you know this is actually something i wanted to see because you know it's actually a field of a field of ai that is interesting uh and and it turns out it didn't actually work um yeah so um so on the plus side it appears to be a faithful remake of the game actually like like you know it's not it's not trying to generate shit with the ai it's just trying to uh use the ai to figure out what it can do within the scope of the game um on the downside uh first of all uh, i'm actually looking at the uh vice article that blue had in his list of stuff to cover now is uh yeah, uh, it mentions that a lot of people didn't like the art which i mean okay i guess but also uh second of all uh, because the AI is entirely local, the game's huge, um, and also it seems to ha- actually have a lot of trouble, uh, trouble actually, actually mapping every mapping your commands to something. Which, I mean, I can also kind of understand why this is the case. Because again, th- this is a game from the early eighties. That there is not a lot it could actually do. Like, it was impressive in the amount of what it could do, but that's still not a lot. So, like, the text parser is going to not going to have a lot of commands which it can fully execute, right? Which, which means, you know, you're not going to uh, be able to find a lot of the right stuff. Um, also, it's a huge resource hog because uh, as part of this demonstration... Uh, it also had a speech-to-text system, which... Oh, um, yeah, which, I mean, that is also an impressive thing. And also, it apparently uses 5 gigabytes of RAM. So basically, this game would have been super impressive if it actually worked. But it yeah. doesn't work. <laughs> like, so... So in other words, like... Good try... I guess, but you know, didn't did like. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I can see, I can see for sure, like the idea behind this, and I imagine, like, you know, like, like, I'm of two minds about it, really, because on the one hand, like, it's showing me, like, oh, like. Games like this could actually be super exciting if you could actually talk to a computer, like, legit. Like, imagine, like, imagine RPGs, for example, where you can actually, like, have a legit 
conversations with the NPCs instead of just these, you know, these like a, a list of text commands you could give them. Like that, that would be super interesting, right? But on the other hand, it also shows you the massive limit because, you know, we've seen the example of it and it's a game that is a much, much more primitive version of what I just described. And, you know, it takes up all the resources on your computer, runs like shit, doesn't work properly. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe it will show you, like, that we could be there one day, or maybe it will show you that this is just, you know, a horrible idea. Or it could be, like, I guess if they were to do this, they'd have to do it in some form of cloud computing way. And then they'd have to actually figure out a business model for cloud computing. Right. Yeah. Like okay, so, so I'm looking more at this article and apparently it does have like some basic capability to go off script, but it's mostly disabled because Square Enix had uh, had problems getting it to generate replies that weren't completely sociopathic. Um <laughs> so you know, standard uh, standard problem for uh, for 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 fucking chatbot AI shit. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah. No, I mean, like, I'll be honest with AI, like, I do believe it's a super useful tool, and it's super exciting, but, like, there's so much hype around this shit, like, there's so much hype around chat GPT, it's gonna be like self-driving cars again, you know, when back in the 2010s, they would say, oh, we're gonna have self-driving cars, we're gonna have them next year, it's gonna be so exciting, but also we're gonna put a bunch of truck drivers and taxi drivers all out of work, so it's scary at the same time, but we're gonna have self-driving cars, and it's gonna be a revolution. Next year comes, they're like, okay, we don't have self-driving cars yet, but we're gonna have them next year, and then we're gonna put everyone out of work, and then it's gonna be really exciting and also really terrifying. Come next year, and they still don't have it, right? And it's come to a point where, like, a lot of these, you know, self-driving car startups have either shut down or just their funding has completely dried up. Right. Because, they said, look, it's been 10 years, right? No, this, this technology has not materialized to the extent you promised us it would, and no one's come up with a business model for it. So it's just gone nowhere. Like, and and I, I imagine, like, this chat GPT stuff, a lot of this stuff around AI is going to go exactly the same way. They'll get really good at it up to a certain point, and then they'll hit a wall. And they'll hit the wall, and they'll think like, oh, we'll get past it next year or next year or next year. But they're just going to be stuck. Like, I, I, I think there's, there's just a lot of hype, and people need to be, like, very aware of the fact that there's a lot of money behind this shit. And there's a lot of marketing hype that comes with that money. And there's certain stuff you should take with a massive grain of salt. Right. right. And and a lot of that hype is very ephemeral. It's led by uh, deeply weird people on social media who just want oh, to yeah. crow about how this is going to be a revolution, blah, blah, blah. And the second something new comes out, it's, they all pivot to that. Like, you know, all these self-driving people... Most of them pivoted to NFTs, which yep. left just the people who are like, "Look, I will, I will create a fake human child to prove that my Tesla will not randomly run children over." Oh that, that, that is that is a thing that actually happened. Yep. Uh, as it turns out, uh, Twitter was full of deeply moronic people even before the head of the morons bought it. 
Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, that's the thing. This, this is all coming mostly from Mosque fanboys. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're, they're the and loudest like, and the most annoying people. Yeah, and also, like, NFTs crashed over the past year, partly because it was a scam and partly because all of those hype men have moved to, uh, to generative AI. Yeah, and there's a ton of people that have this massive lawsuit against them because they marketed these NFTs that they didn't even use themselves, and they turned out to be a waste of money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a weird time in tech, man. There's a lot of hype and a lot of bullshit coming out. Like, I, I, I am not particularly interested in generative AI because, I, I mean, like... Uh, I would rather not. I just, you know, some like you know, you see this stuff, and most of the time, there's still something that seems extremely fake about it. Yep. Like, like I know it's real, but it doesn't feel like it's a product that was thoughtfully created. You know, you know, it's some of that artistic merit thing, because the AI doesn't really know quite what it's actually doing, unless you train it on data sets that are frankly incredibly unethical it tends to not create an output that that is actually preferable yep yeah yeah here's, here's the thing like i'm fully admitting that i might look like a clown on this in like a year or two's time but here and now quote me later right you know the all this generative ai stuff when it comes to like oh shit we generated a video of Barack Obama saying this and it looks legit and you know now we'll be able to impersonate all these people and no one will know what's real anymore all right in a few years time it will we will hit a wall with it again we'll hit a wall it will start getting more and more realistic up until the point like the point just before it looks real we'll hit a wall there and then people will keep telling us oh no we'll cross the wall next year and next year, and next year, and we never will. It will never be that, that good. Like, I mean, again, I might look like a clown on this in a few years time, and it might be a legit political topic, but I very much doubt it, based look, on how, how all this stuff has gone. Look, if, look, if things do actually change, I'd be willing to take a make off on that. I mean, I am a person who did think that self-driving cars could actually be a Pretty cool thing. Same. Uh, but, of course, that's because, you know, I was young enough to not actually understand the reality that these, these won't actually work because politics. Like, yep. like, you know, how hard is it to get a road fixed, the, the, fixed now? And, like, how is an AI going to actually respond to a road that isn't to spec, basically? Yep. Yeah, like... The, I was the same exact way, man. Like, I remember, like, when it was first starting to take off, and you'd see all these videos online about, like, oh, shit, we're going to put so many people out of work, and we're going to need to, like, completely rebalance the economy, and we're going to need to do this UBI, which, um, tangentially, might be an interesting idea for different reasons, but they said, like, oh, we're going to need to do all this stuff because we're going to put so many people out of work and we're going to make humans unemployable and it's going to do blah, 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 blah. And 10 years later, it just it hasn't happened. 
and it's looked no closer to happening, right? I yeah. own, I own a Tesla, right? I have one of those vehicles. Would I ever trust it to be self-driving? Fuck no. And they're not even close. They keep telling us, oh, we're going to have it next year. They're not, like, they've been telling us that for, like, a decade. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And, and I like, think, like... Even, like, its current stuff, that that's really just a scam. I, I mean, it's... Yeah. It makes a ton of mistakes, and the only thing it really seems to be intelligent as is uh, turning itself off at the last second to uh, avoid liability. <laughs> oh, I heard about that. Oh, that's 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 bad. Look, I mean, you know, there's there's other reasons to get to get a Tesla, which is you know the environment, electric cars, blah 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 blah. I still recommend it for those reasons. I would never recommend getting the self-driving shit if that's why you're getting it don't it's that that part is gonna waste your money but um like you know full self-driving that part is a scam but you know what isn't a scam is the driver assistance that stuff is really good you know i put my car on autopilot okay i can't change lanes with it or whatever i still need to pay attention to the road but it makes it a lot more convenient you know so that's, and, and that's exactly how this AI tech is going to go, right? It's not going to go to the extremes that people say it will, where it puts everyone out of work. What it will do is it makes the people who are good at their jobs already even better at their jobs. That's where AI is going to come in handy, right? So if we, if we take it back to this Square Enix tech demo, like, are we going to have a whole game of, you know, a murder mystery game where you can talk to it and they can talk to you? And blah 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 and that's going to be your whole video game probably not but there might be a bunch of different ways where ai could you know improve the experience a lot for example you know it could be a situation where you know we are able to play an rpg where we can talk to the npcs and there might only be like a set number of responses that the npcs understand you know to move the story forward and whatever but we might get that. Like, there are ways where this AI technology might come in handy. But this is an example of the AI technology just not being that, that good. It's not as good as the hype we've heard around it. And, you know, it, shit's expensive. That's the other thing. Like, yeah. it's expensive on your computer's resources. It's expensive for people to develop. Like... You know, this is just like I imagine a game made out of AI, like made out of AI. I imagine a game that's based so heavily on AI and hogging your computer's resources is going to cost you a shit ton of money. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, you know, while you do explain pretty well why it really can't happen, I think someone's going to try, and it's probably going to be about as embarrassing as this. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone's going to try, and someone's going to be out of work in a few years. And, you know, that's sad. But, like, great thing about our industry is there's a whole lot of opportunities available. Like, someone recently joined my company who was actually from a self-driving car startup mm. that got shut down. Yeah, so. yeah that's... Uh... Yeah, that's uh, probably a bad situation to have been in in the last few years. The self-driving oh, startups. Um, I bet. Yeah, it's rough. 
I mean, on the plus side, it might lead to a collapse of part of the gig economy, since a ton of like the gig economy driver companies were try were trying to pivot into AI driving. That was the whole thing. Was like, oh, Uber's not profitable now, <laughs> but it will be as soon as we take away the drivers. And of course, you know, they tried it. I think they tried it in Phoenix. I know I actually saw one on the road in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, and you know, they had to shut it down because I think there was like a huge like fatal accident that caused it. And then all of a sudden the whole thing got shut down. <laughs> like, no, nope, you're going to find another way to, you're going to have to find another way to make it your business profitable. Yeah. Right? And please, for the love of God, pay your goddamn drivers. Right. Cause that, that is not easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, uh, so let's see. Uh, so there was a Final Fantasy fourteen patch thing on this list, but I'm pretty sure that's the same stuff we covered last month, because I believe it happened on the last day of the month. Um, yep, March 31st. That was when it was revealed. Yeah, I... Yeah, we've definitely covered... Yeah, um... I mean, there's not much to cover, aside from what I said last month, which is we're going to beat up Golbez. Hey. That's, that's still happening. We're going to beat up Golbez. Um, so uh, the, uh, the, the fan fest is coming up in the next few months, which will be the reveal of 7.0. Uh, this is the point where they'll start actually pivoting the plot towards whatever we're doing for 7.0. So um, a new like, saga. Hmm? So this, yeah, then that that one's the new saga, isn't it? Yeah, well, the 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 new saga started in six point one. Like, oh, it did. Yeah, like oh yeah, yeah, end, yeah. like the post Endwalker, unlike previous expansions, hasn't actually been part of Endwalker. Like, yeah, it still takes part in place in Endwalker zones because you know, of course, it fucking does. They have no new areas to add for 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 several years. Um. So a lot of the story has been taking place yeah. around Favnir and Garlemald. Um but um but uh, yeah, this is uh, but yeah, six point one was supposed to be considered like the start of the new story, which you know so far has been about exploring the void, uh trying to find the last member of the first brood un unaccounted for who got who uh, she got sucked into the void during the uh, uh, during the Allegan Empire's reign, and uh, you know, her, and uh, one of the uh, member of the brood that's been running Favnir uh, for all this time, uh, he, he misses her, wants to find her, and uh, and so far, pretty much all we've uh, managed to uh, figure out is that uh, Golbez has her captive. Has been using her reefer to uh, make his uh, subordinates more powerful, and his big plan is to uh, ha is to inv invade the source and deliberately lose because the the void scent can't die. But the reason they can't die is because their home planet doesn't have a life stream. Like it got destroyed when it got turned into the void. So if they get if they get killed in another planet like the source, they'll actually die for real. So they're 
so they're invading and throwing the fight because they really want to die. What I'm hearing from this is that it's like when Golbez captured Rosa in Final Fantasy IV, except it actually has a plot reason this time. Yeah. They're not, not just doing it for the sake of, like, you know, the, the Final Fantasy IV butchered Rosa, man. I mean, it like that's like one of the worst female characters they've ever done. Uh, God, this is yeah. They 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 cannot uh, they cannot uh, remaster how cardboard her personality is, unfortunately. <laughs> yep, yep. The pixel remasters ain't fixing that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. So so anyway, I mean, so far that what's been confirmed there, it's it's not much because like the full the full reveal, like because uh, yeah, these patch reveals are are divided into two parts. And, like the first one is the general overview, and the more in depth one is going to be on May twelve. Uh, but yeah, so so far we know that uh, you know we're we're going to fight gold bears. Um, which is actually interesting that they've just outright said this because they, because uh, uh, for the past couple patches they deliberately hid who who the uh, thing was, uh, probably because they were trying to uh, mask the fact that uh, uh, we killed all of uh, you know, the four elemental arch fiends in the space of two patches. Because like six point two's big fight was Barbarisha and. Uh, Threes was Rubicante, and Skamayon uh, uh, and uh, Kagnazo were the dungeon bosses of those respective patches. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't do that in um in one of those like big raids, like the Final Fantasy three raid that oh, I remember. Oh well, they and wouldn't they be doing it um doing it at raids because uh, the raids are supposed to be tangential to the story. Uh, they might come back uh, later, which is why it's now uh, it's now required by the main story to do the Final Fantasy three raids, uh, because uh, Shadowbringers makes absolute no sense unless you know uh, about what the Crystal Tower is actually designed to do and who Gratia is. Right. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, because the the raids are supposed to be si- uh, generally designed as side stories that. Have some relevance to the to the story, but not critical. So, like the two, uh, like the two raids of Endwalker. One of them is Pandemonium, which is, uh, uh, which so far has been us uh, investigating, uh, like basically this uh, this uh, prison slash research facility in uh, in Elpis in in the past. Um, I say so far because. Uh, that's because, uh, like, the end of that storyline is uh, going to be happening. This uh, happening in six point four, and at the end of the previous part, you know, it looks like everything's been fixed. And uh, return to the present, and then we discover that pandemonium has appeared in the modern day live stream. So, <clears throat> so that's uh, where we're at for that one. Uh, the other one, like the other one, directly continues off a. Of off a plot point that was dropped in the last minute of 6.0's thing, like I mean, I described this before, there's a part towards the very end where like, uh, you know uh, 
Emmett Selk is basically rejecting any possibility of returning to life, and you know, the Warrior Light's a bit sad at that because you know, this, this Emmett Selk is sane now, so he's actually cool to hang out with. And and Emmett Selk, in his usual kind of Sundere way, just you know, exasperatedly rattles off a bunch of possible plot points. Um, and uh, the uh, and the other raid story is continuing off one of those, and it says, uh, you, "Oh, you don't even know the true identities of the twelve, and that's what we're actually investigating. Like we discovered." We found that the twelve, which we thought were, you know, a complete misinterpretation of uh, of the ancients, is actually real, and they've been challenging us to fights for the hell of it. And, yeah, okay, sure. Um. Uh. Anyway, I should move on because, like, because, uh, like, I really don't have much time. Uh. So the other big thing. Final Fantasy 16. Uh, oh yeah, I mean uh, the other piece of news that came out was like the the PlayStation 5 just had its like best quarter of any console like ever, and it's now sold 25 million copies. I but that's bet, not. I it's a, it recovering uh, wasn't uh, very surprising because you know there was like a long bottleneck for PlayStation 5 development pipeline. Best ever is surprising because, like, you know, the the PS2 was still was still like you know the biggest seller ever, and it's surprising oh, yeah. that anything could outsell that. Um, it would shock me if the PlayStation Five at the end of its life does outsell the PS2. Yeah, even still, even with these these numbers coming in, but I will say, like, if any console of today would outsell the PS2, it would be the PS5. Mm-hmm. Like, if any console could. And that's just because, like, you know, like, the Switch had a great run, but as, like, it's, you know, it, it had its it had its time, and its time was very short-lived. It's the, like, the Switch is just near the end of its life cycle the, the now. Next Nintendo, because, the next Nintendo console is imminent. Like, we... We do really know that at this point, because uh, you don't mind if I pivot into other general industry news for a second, because because uh, honestly, this is still incredibly funny. Uh, the the CMA has uh, ruled against the merger of Microsoft and Activision uh, because of the cloud gaming industry, uh, which means that the Stadia failed so pathetically that it's caused collateral yep. damage to Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, so, uh, stupid question. The CMA, is that, uh, what does that stand for? Uh, I, I don't know, but you, it's British equivalent of the FTC. Okay, gotcha, okay, gotcha. So we're talking about the British government. Yeah, because yeah. I did read about that story, that's right. Yeah, they ruled against it because, yeah, because of the cloud gaming thing. They didn't want Microsoft to have an unfair advantage in cloud gaming because they have no real competitor there like who's who, who are they competing against sony like i mean you know i use the playstation cloud streaming stuff i actually kind of like it like i think I it's can't, pretty convenient. i can't use the playstation cloud streaming because i live in the southern hemisphere oh yeah because it's not even available for you yet yeah well i i i use it i like it but 
um, you know, is it replacing, is it replacing, like, physical copies of games anytime soon? Fuck no. It's not, it's not even, like, you know, you know like you said, it's, it's not, not even available. replacing digital copies of right. games. Like, it's not available in half the world, yeah. so it's not, like, it's not there yet. But, um, but yeah, like, you know, the idea that, the idea that uh, anyone could challenge Microsoft at this point in that regard is kind of laughable, to be honest. So, I, I mean, I thought the ruling was fair for other reasons, but if that's, if that's the reason they're going with, then great. There is a reason I bring this up in response to you mentioning the Switch being near end of life, and that's because uh, a few months ago, uh, when the CMA was investigating the possibility that uh, that Microsoft would just be shits and uh, stop putting the putting Call of Duty on PlayStation, uh, they, mm. they had during one of their findings there was one very interesting line for people who uh, who really care way too much about Nintendo, and that's you know they're talking about competing uh, competing products to uh, Xbox Live. And one of the lines was the Nintendo Switch Online for Nintendo Switch and Redacted. Huh. Now, as I'm a, redacted. Yeah, so like I mean, Nintendo Switch Online has some capabilities that you can access via mobile phone, but if it was but if they didn't mean mobile phone there, that wouldn't be something redactable. So Mm. Yeah, it seems pretty inevitable at this point that Nintendo is... Well, of course it seems inevitable. Why wouldn't they be working on on the next generation of hardware? Yeah, the the Switch, like, it had its peak where it really did, like, phenomenally well, and then it very quickly burned down. The Switch is still doing doing really well, though. Like, it's not like it's collapsed. But at the same yeah, time, I mean, at the same time, the Switch is a last-gen device. It is not the same generation as uh, PS5 and uh, and Series X. Yeah, I should I should clarify. Um, it it did do phenomenally well. It is still doing well, but in the eyes of the consumer, like basically the problem it had was it launched underpowered to begin with. Right, so it just, of course, couldn't keep up with, with third-party games as they were going. So it went from, oh shit, I should buy every single third-party game on the Switch because it's more valuable because I can take the Switch anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, and you'd get more value for it. To be to where it is now, where it's like, oh, well, the the Switch is the version I least want to get. You know, I, like basically, if I'm gonna buy a game on a Switch, it's gonna be an exclusive. Like, you know, for example, like, the Pixel remasters, I ain't buying those on Switch. Like, you know, I'm going to get them on PS5. Well, PS4. I mean, I, but I got like, them on Switch because, I mean, do you know how lightweight those games are? Like, they run, like, they, like, it runs, uh, it runs just the same as it does on, on PC because those are yeah, mobile games. They, they, they were, they were made for iOS and Android. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, and that doesn't surprise me at all. But I'm not getting them there because I don't play anything on Switch anymore, like unless it's an exclusive, right? And that's how, like, you know, that's like ever since the Steam Deck launched, the Switch has been looking 
very, very outdated, right? And I don't right. even have a Steam Deck. Ever, but so basically, you know, it's it's gonna be interesting to see what Nintendo come out with. I love how innovative they are, and I'm sure that their next console is gonna be a killer. I'm sure the new Legend of Zelda is gonna be a killer, which is competing against a game we're about to talk about in a few minutes. Um, yeah, like yeah, I mean, so, I think it's less that like the next thing is going to be like a huge innovation and more of a uh, more of a switch too because i i mean you kind of have to continue the development line of the switch unless you go back into separate uh, console and handheld uh, handheld hardware paths and that's not yeah. really viable because the because the handheld uh, scene has been completely dominated by android and ios yep. like it was already yeah, heading exactly. that way during the 3ds like they were talking the other day about, oh, we're gonna bring that, we're gonna bring out a Sony handheld again, right? And yeah. I was like, okay, you know, I have nostalgia for those days, but I don't, I don't imagine it doing all that well. And then they said, oh no, see, this Sony handheld, you can only use it for remote play. I'm like, well, what's the point? Like, I can do that on my phone. Like, what? That is the most redundant thing I've ever heard of. Like, so yeah, I mean, they probably would have to, but in my experience, like, whenever Nintendo have done a, we're going to do a sequel to that previous console thing, mm -hmm. the sequel is always the one that bombs. So, you know, Wii U is the most obvious example. The Wii U just bombed. It was a marketing failure. It was, you know, it did, like, consumers didn't even know what it was. And, you know, at that point, they'd already mo moved on from the Nintendo Wii. There was no real point in it anymore, right? That, that one bombed. Uh, the GameCube, compared to the, the 64, the GameCube bombed in comparison. Uh, the GameCube's right? not really a sequel to the 64. Like, the GameCube was... Oh, did you say so? Yeah, I, I, I mean, like, the, like, a lot of the Nintendo, the early Nintendo products, you know, they were before back compat was a thing, so, like, there wasn't like kind of no ongoing thing of sequels they're just completely new products like the the NES mm. and the NES the SNES the 64 the GameCube they were all they were all intended to be like completely standalone products and then like and then like Nintendo actually really got into back comparison like the Wii was GameCube compatible the Wii U was Wii compatible and could be hacked into being GameCube compatible um, mm. this of course doesn't apply for the handhelds because they always had there was always a degree of lineage all the way from the Game Boy up to the up to the 3DS they all had one generation of back, at least one generation of backwards compatibility yeah I guess like I guess you know when you mentioned the SNES I was like okay that, that one was a sequel to the NES and that actually did do really well so I guess that defeats my argument but um, yeah. So so we'll we'll see what Nintendo does next and how that affects Final Fantasy going forward. Um, I would like them to continue down the Switch line, but make it much better this time. Hmm. But we'll see. So anyway, back to what we were supposed to be talking about: Final Fantasy sixteen. Yeah. Uh, stays a play. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, honestly, the there wasn't that much new in this thing. Um, like, uh, 
Uh, yeah. Um, I I mean there I mean there was a bit that made my uh, Xenoblade adult head go wild when they like had the archives that has the big relationship chart and the and the geopolitical map of the progression of the big war that's going on. <laughs> mm. Um. But uh, that, yeah, that part. But yeah, a lot of the gameplay stuff they showed off was stuff that we already knew. There's, um, uh, and they did show they did show off the uh, theme song, which is uh, done by. It's in Japanese. Yeah, their theme yeah. song is in Japanese. First time uh, since Final Fantasy X. Yeah, and it's, it was done. Oh well. Uh, uh, thirteen did have a Japanese theme. They just replaced it with my hands in English for some reason. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's right. Because um, I only ever think of thirteen's theme songs as my hand. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the the theme song is by uh, Kenshi Yonezu, who I recognize as a big name in Japan, but I couldn't tell you what they actually do. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. I'm gonna look it up. Kenshi Yanezu. He has a song called Lemon, and I know that because Google's Piperhead tells me he has a song called Lemon. Um. Yeah, they'll also he be. He performs ha- under the stage name Hachi, if that helps anyone. And okay. he's a J-pop. He's J-pop, and he is big over there. That's yeah. That's all I can tell you. Right, yeah. Uh, also, they'll be having a pre-launch event on June eleventh. Uh, like some something going on in LA. I don't think we have yeah. much more detail than that either. Um, and unfortunately, viewers, none of the FF Wiki have been invited, as far as we know. <laughs> uh-huh. So, um, so we don't have any news there. I, I mean, I highly doubt that uh, anyone actually knows about uh, about the wiki's official email because we only use it for YouTube stuff. Pretty much. Oh shit! I should check if we have anything there. I, we I probably am, don't. I am not giving out the wiki's official email on the podcast. Sorry, people. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh. Okay. Uh. Uh, yeah, I I want to talk about Final Fantasy 16 stuff some more, but I'm not sure what actually there is to talk about because yeah, a lot of the state of play stuff is stuff that was already covered to some degree. Uh, good. Um, I I did find it rather hilarious that uh, one of uh, Clive's uh, Bahamut moves is just a shot lock. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, with 16, I feel like, I don't know if there's anything more they can release that will, like, change people's minds on it, because, you know, people are already, for the most part, either very, very excited for it, or there are people who just, like, are disappointed because it wasn't what they had in mind for their... It just, like, you know, that's that's the thing. Like, Final Fantasy does so many different things. And as a result, has such a broad fan base who all want something completely different. So to this point, 
to anyone who's still disappointed by 16 and still not happy with it, like, all I'll say to you is, like, you know, just the next one's going to be different. That's the thing. Like, Final right. Fantasy 17 is going to be very different from Final Fantasy 16. Right. Right. And even, even now, you know, we have 7 Remake, we have 14, we have, like, we have so much other stuff going on that, like, you know, if you're still, like, if you're still thinking, like, that just because this one doesn't personally appeal to you, like, just because it doesn't, doesn't mean the next one won't. Mm. Like, that's the thing. Just be happy that people who are excited for this are getting a game that they're very excited about. And, you know, if you're not cool with it, that's fine. Just don't buy it. Or, like, you know, buy it, but don't, like... I guess, just don't, like, shit on people for liking it. Mm. I guess. Like, because, you know... I mean, even back when I wasn't as excited for the game as I am now, I was never like, oh, this shouldn't exist. Like, Final Fantasy's dead. And, like, all this hyperbolic shit that people keep saying. Like, you know, so, so all I can really say is, like, I don't think anyone's minds are going to be changed at this point. Hmm. And what they've released is, it's, it's enough for me to say, like, this is going to be a very, very good game. Is it going to be game of the year? Who knows? It's up against Zelda. So that would be pretty difficult, right? And, you know, for all we know, Rockstar could announce GTA 6 is coming this year. And in which case, yeah, no one else is winning game luck. of the year. Um, yeah. In which case, there's no, no one else is winning game of the year. So, I mean, yeah, it, it looks good. Uh, yeah, I can already see that uh, you know, Game of the Year stuff this year is pretty much going to be down to uh, Zelda vs. 16. Yeah, um, yeah, as, as far as we can tell, like, you know, there's nothing else really, really competing with it on that level. And part of this yeah. is also that Game of, the, Game of the Year stuff is pretty much always preordained. Like, I, I know you mentioned being shocked by Elden Ring, but that that was the game that won the most anticipated reward in every prior game awards. Mm, that's that yeah, that's fair. Like I was surprised just because I thought like, you know, the way I've seen the game awards go is normally it's like, oh, Last of Us 2 wins in every single category it's in. Oh, would you look at that? Last of Us 2 game of the year. Who could have seen that coming? Like, and, and I just saw God of War winning in every single category, and I was like, yep, it's going to win. And then Elden Ring won. I was like, ah, oh, okay. I mean, you know, they had me fooled, at least. Yeah, but, and, know, like, I, I, I never agree with the decisions anyway. I, I can't remember what my favorite was in the year that Last of Us 2 came out, but it sure as hell wasn't The Last of Us 2. Uh, yeah, last, I, I didn't care for that game. La last like, year, my favorite was Xenoblade 3. Like, it... Oh yeah, yeah. I like. I did not care for The Last of Us Two as someone who adored Last of Us One, and like you know, I just felt like with, I I just felt like with that story, they just they stopped. They they got rid of like the human element of The Last of Us One, and just tried to sell you a bunch of misery porn. Like it just like, I I I have nothing against the new characters in it. I just f wish they were in a better story. You know, it just, it wasn't for me. But there was a lot of people who really, really loved that game. 
and you know fair play to him if, if you really enjoy it that's fine it's just you know i i could never like i couldn't deal with that level of just constant misery being thrown in my face every single second hmm. yeah like but it's very well made it's very well made so from that perspective i can understand giving a game of the year but i just think it's like you know it's like if an oscar bait film won won the oscars that year you'd be like oh great you know they did everything to make it an Oscar film, and then it won an Oscar. Wow! Look, look at them. Like that—that—that that was kind of how The Last of Us Two felt to me. But um, I will say the only other competitor I can see for uh Game of the Year, aside from those two, Spider Man Two, maybe. But I still don't really see that either. And I I'm wasn't saying- even aware that was coming out this year. <laughs> Oh yeah, it is. It is. That's right. Um, Spider Man, like Spider Man One, is probably my favorite PS4 game. Either. Oh, I guess Seven Remake. Okay. Other than Seven Remake, Spider Man One is still probably my pe- favorite PS4 game. And you know, it's Insomniac Games, and they like I love everything they ever put out. But even still, like there aren't many people who would argue with you that Spider Man One was incredible. And oh, oh yeah. When they've been talking about Spider Man Two, it's meant to like be even better than that. So I could possibly, possibly see it, but I you know, it's it's just too it's too hard to say at this point because there's so little we know about that game hmm. other than that it's meant to be coming out late this year. So it's you know, it's gonna be sixteen or it's gonna be Zelda. Yeah. Like, I can't even think of any other huge releases coming this year. Yeah, that, like, I was having to think about it for a minute, and then that's when I thought, oh, Spider-Man. But, like, I mean, Seven Rebirth, but yep. that's probably yeah, not going to be this that, year. That release window, you know, I, the release window they give, like, I'm not going to be surprised when they put out more and it turns out it's coming out February. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I would not be shocked. In fact, I mean, I'd be thrilled because it would give me more time to work on stuff, but I would not be shocked. I mean, I would also like for it to come out as late as possible in that window uh, for something we'll get to later because we're done with the news and we don't like have a huge topic. Uh, there's only two of us here. Um, yep. So, but yes, Techno, you wanted to talk about wiki stuff. Sure, yeah, okay, so we, that being um, a few of us as editors, have spent a good solid, how many months has it been? Four, uh, five? I, I mean, it started during this year, so it's, uh, okay. I mean, it's if been it's the le- thing, you're, thing I'm thinking you're talking about. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, it's been a few months since... Someone yelled at us that the timeline page was not exactly correct. Um, I we mean, looked into it. <laughs> and I mean, the, the issue was basically, yeah, like, you know, character in Crisis Core does not look the correct age. Yeah, none of them do. Like, like li- oh, literally yeah. none of them do. N- no Mora is not very good at depicting accurate ages. Uh, you, yeah, so you, would, you would not guess that Riku is only an, a year older than Sora at the start of Kingdom Hearts. So how it started was someone from um, someone on Twitter 
was angrily tweeting at us because our Final Fantasy VII timeline page listed uh, it listed a date that was actually correct, and it was the date of uh, it was the date when either Hojo or Hollander no both of them it was the they basically and- there's an approximate date. Of when hey, Hojo wasn't and it that, like there's something that's that's in the Crisis Core Ultimania, but wasn't in like you know, but was only like really in the Crisis Core thing, and our and while we had it correct, our thing didn't say that because uh, whoever whoever you know built uh, when that that timeline page was built off the you know the live streams translation of of all of the Ultimanias at that point. They had only credited like the like one of the like uh, Final Fantasy VII tenth anniversary, and not yeah. you know there's a, they also sourced uh, Seven Omega and uh, Crisis Core for that timeline. Yeah. So, if we're to tell the story in chronological order, the Final Fantasy VII timeline page existed way way back in the day. Like, and uh, if I check the history of it, it was probably like. I'm gonna guess it's 2009 when it must have first been created, and it looks like I'm not too far off. Um, yes, I'm I'm exactly correct. It was created in 2009. This Final right. Fantasy VII timeline page, right? And it was based off of the Livestream.net, which is this old fan site that still exists, yeah. um, but was much bigger back then than it is now. And uh, what they did. Is like it's like you said. They created a uh, a timeline based off of all a bunch of different sources that they found. But the only one they really credited was the tenth anniversary well, edition. Ultimate. Well, they, they mentioned they mentioned that you know they also included stuff from other things. It's more that you know it got lost when when we were adapting it to wiki format. Yeah, exactly. Right, because they basically said. We got this timeline from the 10th anniversary Ultimania plus a bunch of other ones, right? Yeah. But they didn't list exactly like which one was which. So they just listed the timeline and they don't have citations next to them. So of course, when, uh, you know, at the time, 2009, you know, we don't have many Japanese speaking users. Like, uh, do we have any at that point? Like, uh... And sometimes we'd have a wandering Japanese speaker that shows up and clarifies a few things. Um, yeah, exactly. We have like we we wouldn't have consistent, I guess we should say consistent and really qualified Japanese speaking people. So of course, all we could resort to was the livestream.net dot net and yeah. their translation of the timeline. Right. Yeah. So we created our timeline page based off of that and then over the years we added things to it from books that came out after that such as seven remake ultimania and then seven remake material ultimania which added a whole new timeline for midgar um you know we added stuff to it but it became a complete mess because you know we said at the top of the page assume all of this comes from the 10th anniversary ultimania which it didn't like a lot of it didn't come from that. So the specific issue that the person on Twitter yelling us about, where that came from, was them saying like, "Oh, uh, this date isn't correct because 
you know, I checked the 10th anniversary Ultimania and it doesn't say what you said it did. And of course, you know, they were actually, they were actually correct that the 10th anniversary Ultimania didn't say that. What did say that date was the Crisis Core Ultimania, right? And yeah, like it is, it was the soldier birthday stuff, I think, which, you know, was already like deliberately vague and like we, and on our thing, we did the math and it comes out as approximately 1980. So that right. that's what we put down, approximately 1980. Because yeah. so, uh, a lot of the live streams one is dictated in terms of uh, of X time before or after after you know game. So so we uh, but we know when those games happen on the timeline. So we just manually do the we just manually do the math on it ourselves and put down whatever year we we come up with with an approximately if necessary which it usually is if if it was defined in those terms yeah so so what happened was we found this out uh we dug into it and we realized they're half right they're not completely right and they you know they're not right enough to which they're yelling at us was justified but they're half right on twitter well yeah of course um so we figured all right um, let's fix this date. And as we were looking at it, we realized this whole page is a piece of shit. Like, you know, this whole page really is not up to our current standards. It doesn't list citations properly. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't source things correctly. You know, this isn't really a very trustworthy page that we want to show to people. So what we decided was we're going to redo the whole thing completely from scratch. And now that we actually do have an actual Japanese speaking person who's, who's a regular, um, they will be able to, and they have access to all these books that have these timelines yeah. in them. Yeah, like she, yeah, she already has my city Ultimanias and uh, the ones uh, that, and I think one that uh, was missing from a list we were able to find on the internet archive anyway so yep yep and so she sourced all of that and then went up and wrote up this whole timeline for us mm-hmm. and around the same time final fantasy 7 remake trace of two pasts released in english and that has a couple of dates in it mm-hmm. luckily they added a few dates in it even though the dates are sometimes like on tifa's 17th birthday zangan visited her and it's like, okay, I mean, you know, we can trace from that that it's going to be May 3rd of 1984 plus 17. So, you know, so that's that's how we would trace those dates. But, um, so, the, so, they released, so they released that around this time. And, you know, they'd already released seven remake material Ultimania in English. You know, that already had its own timeline to it. So we compiled all of this together. And it took us several months of translating all the old stuff. Like, you know, so we would, we would have like exact, we have like a, an Excel sheet that has like an exact translation, an exact um, transcription next to it of the different events in the timeline, listed them up. And based off of that, you have the new Final Fantasy VII timeline page, which incidentally is also rewritten completely differently because the old Final Fantasy VII timeline page was a lot of words. Mm. 
a lot, a lot of words that like, you know, it elaborates on stuff that like the game tells you and it doesn't need to elaborate on them for, which is like, you just, I, I don't agree with the decision that the old writers of those pages made. But, um, so now we have a totally new timeline page. It's accurate. It's, in, in my humble opinion, well-written. It's um, sourced properly. So you have a citation next to everything that will tell you, like, not only the book where you can find exactly what the, the, what the date was, but also, like, you know, it will, it will link you to, like, the, uh, the event in the game. So, for example, like, it will, it will link you to, like, the chapter of in Final Fantasy VII, where that occurs. So, uh, uh, if we go to, like, let's say, this, let's, let's say December of 007, right? That's the year when, the, when Final Fantasy VII, the events start. So, for December 9, I have events of number one reactor bombing and at the hideout in the slums, Barrett's avalanche cell, sending himself, Biggs, Wedge, Jesse, and employing Cloud as a mercenary, blow up Marco Reactor 1. The group return to a hideout via train, Cloud meeting Aerith on the way, and at the hideout in 7th Heaven, Tifa secures Cloud's future cooperation. It's just under a paragraph in terms of length. It summarizes the events of the first two chapters in Final Fantasy VII. Those two chapters, according to the Ultimania, by the way. And, you know, it has all these citations next to it, so you know exactly where we're getting the date from, where we're getting the information in the chapters from. And, you know, basically, you have something you can trust now, which uh, I couldn't really say about the old timeline page at all. So, so there you go. Took us months, but we have it. Um, Yeah. um, uh, That's a a material Ultimania Midgard timeline. (laughs) It's pretty, uh, pretty good. By the way, I mean it's not. Oh yeah. It's not like very detailed on things that happen outside the Mika, but it was a uh, complete with uh, with diagrams of like the actual construction of uh, of the city and uh, and how progressive it was a. It's a that Ultimania is a very nice book. Oh, it is. And it's actually like... and unlike most Ultimanias, it's actually in English. Yep. I also feel like the Ultimania does a little bit of a retcon, actually, from the original game. Like, in the original game, there's a line that Barrett says, I, I think it's Barrett, who said, like, oh, all the different sectors of, of Midgar used to have their own names. Like, they used to have, they used to be actual towns, and they used to be named, but then Shinra moved in, and then they were just Sector 1, Sector 2, Sector 3, right? And uh, the Material Automania kind of reckons that. It's saying, like, these sectors, the concept of them, of towns there, just didn't exist at all. Like, the only reason the slums exist is because there was a bunch of debris left behind from when they were building on top of the Midgar plate. And then people just said, okay, well, I want to live in Midgar, but I can't live on the top of the plate. So I'm just going to live right around the debris on all the lodgings that were left behind from the construction workers that were building it. So it's a, it's a bit of a retcon from the original. Okay. Um... I don't think it's a bad retcon. It's just, you know, it's, it's an interesting direction they decided to go in. All right. 
Um, so yeah, that is the big wiki thing. The the other wiki thing is that uh, you know we're we're starting on uh, on creating the Final Fantasy 16 skin, uh, dark yep. theme, obviously. Um, I haven't done much with it. Like I've mainly just created a linear gradient to replace the background color. Because I, I mean, like one thing they showed off during the state of play was like the the title screen, which, like that was really nice. It's, and mm. it has like this blue to red wash over the entire thing, which I have sort of emulated on uh, on uh, on desktop. Which, I mean, I think it looks all right. Although I'd have to actually change the header image, which. I kind of have to do last because that's a change that you know I can't like fuck around within my own CSS. It's something that I have to uh, I have to use the the uh, the theme designer on, and once I do that, it goes live to everyone. <laughs> um, mm. And like I'm working on it slowly. I did mean to do uh, do stuff, but um, yeah, I. Look, I had an excuse, and as the, the Xenoblade 3 expansion came out this week... <laughs> as good an excuse as any. Um, but I have actually beaten that now, so I'll get back to fucking actually working on stuff. Um, hey. yeah. yeah, so, uh, with the Final Fantasy VII timeline page now done... And with basically every script for Final Fantasy VII done, every English script, with the exception right. of Dirty Cerberus, which I don't want to do, uh, with the exception of those, we can, we should be able to like completely write all of the lore content for Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. So we should be able to do that, which we couldn't before, hmm. because you know I don't know how to write lore without a script page. And for Final Fantasy VII, it's a whole different beast because there's actually dates and times to this shit. Um, so we can, we can, we should be able to have that ready for you all at some point uh, this year. Hopefully, can't give you a proper date for it yet, but you know, it's coming. Um, I've also been busy in that I actually I'm going to be a homeowner in a week's time, so you know. Homes are expensive yep. and are a constant cycle of maintenance and repairs. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. So I've been busy with that. But um Yeah, exciting times coming. And uh, I can't tell you who will be writing for Final Fantasy sixteen and how that will go, but I can tell you there'll be a good skin behind it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I I mean if if you do want to turn it on like yeah you know, my uh there's always my css file which uh like if you know where if you know how wikis work you know where to find that but i do also link to it in the in the discord channel where we discuss css stuff and like you can take that to turn on whatever uh just be aware that once i actually start really going at it the light theme is going to look like shit because i do not uh I do not uh, use the light and dark theme filters in my personal CSS because, like, it's just a testing ground for stuff. And once I'm done with it, I'm just going to turn it off entirely after I import stuff into the main skin. Mm. Um. So so yeah, if um, 
Uh, so yeah, if people are interested in beta testing that, yeah, you can just grab grab my CSS and tell me what you think. Not much to talk about yet because uh, all you'll all you'll see is that that gradient. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. And plus, like a lot of it is tied to the theme designer these days, and not necessarily to CSS. Well, the theme, the theme designer does translate into CSS. Well, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it does. But like, yeah, and um, and like, if it's something that I'm not really supposed to do, like say the gradient, I can just put it in the CSS anyway and override. Yep. <laughs> um. Right. Uh, was there any? I would say that there are wikis out there with some god-awful designs that are really shit because they're doing stuff in CSS that they're not supposed to be doing. But luckily, um, in our case, we have several people who are actual like professionals in the tech industry, and we work with this kind of shit all the time. We actually know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah. Like, you know, we're not a 13-year-old who's figured out CSS for the first time, and graphics design is their passion. And also, just in a general sense, we don't fuck with the content. Like, like that is yep. the, like that is the big issue. Like, I, like if you if you look at it right now, you know, even if you don't like this uh, fade from you know, black to blue to red that I've got in the background, uh, that is the back of the background. If you know how fandom skins work, uh, the background of the site and the background of the article are completely different things, and for what should be hopefully yeah very fucking obvious reasons uh we do uh the uh background of our article is uh you know completely uh completely solid no opacity at all so it doesn't uh so what's going on back there does not bleed into the article right yeah plus you're not uh a lot of the more egregious things on uh fandom wiki skins a lot of them are banned now so for example you're not allowed to change the cursor anymore which i can't believe we were ever allowed to do that that was so stupid oh damn <laughs> there were some wikis like you know i think like disney wiki was the most infamous example oh, God, i remember going to that site. like you can they changed the fucking cursor so it looks like the mickey mouse figure and it's so <laughs> disorienting like, it makes me not want to use the site because it looks so weird. <laughs> but they banned that. You're not allowed to do that anymore, which, thank God. Uh, I want to check that skin, actually. I'm going to see if they improved it. Hmm. Oh, okay. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. Right. Um... Not to check about that wiki. I'm sure the content is fine. I'm sure the community know what they're doing. But, yeah. you know... Your old skin was not very sightly. Um, okay. Uh, is there anything else that uh, we needed to cover? I don't think so for this month. I think you can see us next month. Uh, right. Okay. So that's it. Um, I I'm some kind of mage as techno obliterator. Our um. Uh, hold on. I need to bring up the podcast stuff because I forget the exact name of the uh 
the exact name of the song that I'm going to have to edit into this. Uh, it is uh, La Montana de los Cabiales Lavenes uh, by XPRT Novice from uh, OC Remix uh, in the Balance of Ruin soundtrack. Um, right, and I guess as an outro thing, while Blue uh, couldn't be here uh, this time, he did ask us to mention one thing that happened in the last couple of days, and that is uh, layoff, some layoffs at uh, Vice Media, uh, which has them shutting down all of Waypoint. Uh, and uh, yeah, that is uh, that is some real uh, some real sick shit. Honestly, uh, Waypoint sometimes could be weird, but overall, it was. Uh, it was actually a very good uh, media media outlet, um, and like, and game games media sucks, man. Like, if, yeah. if anyone tries to do something good, they just end up getting ousted because you know money. So, to so the one guy who tweeted at us uh, a few weeks ago when fandom laid off a bunch of people in their own media division. It's not just fandom, mate. Like it's not just it's not just fandom, and you're gonna need a much more compelling reason for us to fork than just that. But but also the layoffs at Giant Bomb were objectively awful. Well, yeah, yeah, those were those were fucking horrible. They were, but yo, just media media in the gaming space is not great. Yeah. It's not in a good space. Uh, right, and uh, anyway, um. But but yeah, that that sucks. Um, uh, I don't know what else there is to say, uh, except you know maybe signing off the same way that Waypoint does. Fuck capitalism. Go home. <laughs> yeah. See ya. See you next time. <laughs>